Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is John McCormick, who's in Iowa. He was there when reality TV met TV reality, and Sarah Palin endorsed Donald Trump. John, it must have been electric in the air. How many rhinestones and how much hairspray can you put in one room? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people were uh, disappointed. A lot of conservatives were disappointed in Sarah Palin tonight. Um, you know, uh, there, there are a number of issues across the board. She... You know, brought up today uh, saying that Donald Trump was, you know, going to take on crony capitalism earlier in the day. You know, Trump had gone uh, sort of whole hog for ethanol at this renewable renewable fuels uh, summit. Um, she had you know, vouched for his anti-establishment, pro-life credentials. Uh, you know, which is uh, there's, there's not a lot of evidence to back that up. So I think that you know, many conservatives see Trump as a fraud, and they're disappointed that someone like Palin, who has a reputation as being some sort of, uh, you know, true conservative, true populist, that she would uh, lend whatever credibility she has uh, to Trump. Did she make an argument that you thought was particularly compelling or would be compelling with uh, possible caucus goers uh, to get them to set aside some of the concerns they have? Because Donald Trump, as much as he may hate the phrase New York values, that's a pretty accurate description of uh, Donald Trump's politics. Well, exactly. I mean, I don't know how much it matters, but I do think it's significant. I mean, on the ground here, I've talked to several people, even at Donald Trump rallies, who are undecided. A lot of them say they're not sure if they're going to vote for Trump or Cruz. They're not sure if they're going to caucus for either of those men. And, uh, you know, if you look at a Quinnipiac poll from last week, uh, fully 51 percent of people haven't firmly made up their minds. Five percent say they're truly undecided and 46 percent say that they named a candidate, but they could change their mind between now and caucus day, which is only you know less than two weeks away. So, you know, you've got to think for those people who don't know if they're for for Cruz or Trump. Um, I don't see why Palin wouldn't help with the margins and also why she wouldn't help blunt those attacks on New York values. I mean, Sarah Palin, uh, lover or hater, I think that for a significant portion of uh, Republicans, you know, she does sort of represent, you know, the sort of uh, heartland values, you know, whether you want to call it real America, small town America. Um, you know, Palin, she's a well-known pro-lifer. Her son, you know, uh, Trigg is down syndrome. She's well-respected among pro-lifers. And the fact that I think, I think Trump does have huge vulnerabilities on his liberalism. I mean, he wasn't just like moderately pro-choice. He right. was, he was pro-abortion in every respect. He was for third trimester abortion. This is like the idea that you could flip in such a short period of time after, you know, 65 years of thinking one thing. And then all of a sudden you have your eye on a Republican presidential run and you, and you flip out over nothing. I did think that those were huge uh, vulnerabilities for Trump, but I do think that Palin does help blunt the you know New York values attack a little bit. And when a race is deadlocked or neck and neck as it is right now in Iowa, I, I think everything matters at the margin. I thought what was effective was uh, she kept talking about fighting and kicking butt. And people, you know, there's a group of people who uh, apparently are going to vote in the Republican primary who really just want to scrap. That's what they want to do. And Sarah Palin, a scrapper, fighter, and she—that's the—that's the bona fides I think she, she can uh, can affirm in Donald Trump. And uh, you, maybe those people are already for Trump, and all she did was give them an extra boost. But that, to me, was when she, her comments rang the most true. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it reinforces a lot of Trump's message, whether that you know, message is true or not. That he's, you know, going to take it to the establishment and tear down the system. And you know, there's a lot of uh, populist rhetoric like that tonight. And um, yeah, I do think it reinforces the message and, and, and will help uh, for, for whatever it's worth. You're on the ground and you see how these events get covered. 
What's the distance between what you hear when you're doing your Fox hits and whatever you know media types saying about Iowa and what you're actually seeing from people who are frequent Iowa caucus attendees? You know, I, I don't know. It's just a general sense that I get that people say, you know, that all Trump supporters are just these mindless, you know, fanatics who just want to tear down everything and are just completely incapable of responding to reason or arguments. And what I've actually found and, and, in you know, talking to, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe 50 to 60 people at Trump rallies, uh, Trump events and over four or five events is that, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, indecision, undecided voters. Um, you know, the typical hardcore Trump supporter is someone who is, you know, upset about trade and immigration, you know, a classic pro voter. A lot of people who are, uh, you know, are, are first time caucus goers and showing up to these rallies who say that they're going to, you know, leave the Democratic Party and they're just going to, you know, all you have to do is show up on caucus night and say you're a Republican and you're a Republican and you caucus with Republicans. So, um, yeah, I think that there, you know, voters are. Um, I get the sense that journalists who spend too much time on Twitter, uh, I'm guilty of that. Uh, just sort of have a sense that his his most rabid fans online are representative of the majority of his supporters, and I don't think they're even representative of his base, let alone uh, soft Trump supporters who, you know, just think. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's doing well in the polls. He's going to win. He's going to bring in Democrats and people who haven't voted before, and he's going to take down Hillary. And all I, all I want to do is beat Hillary. You know, I've heard that before. So um, I think that there, yeah, the, the idea of the Trump uh, supporter as this like mindless, you know, mouth breathing fanatic, um, you know, it's, it's not true. There are people, there are regular, normal Republican voters who are supporting Trump, and that's why he might win. And then you have some other regular uh, traditional Republican voters who, uh, you know, uh, are evangelical or take their faith very seriously. And they have to be wincing in pain every time Donald Trump talks about religion. His performance of liberty was just it was literally laughable. You uh, have traditional Republicans who are small government Republicans and they see Donald Trump, as you said, going whole hog. Nice mixed metaphor on Iowa corn and on big (laughs) government mandates. And uh, you mentioned his record on other social conservative issues in the past and his uh, obvious wired, you know, he's a wired Northeastern uh, business guy who's, you know, has crony, crony capitalism as a uh, model of doing business. What do they say when they see a guy who, in a lot of ways, you know, is kind of the antithesis of what you'd think the Tea Party, small government, you know, ideologically driven conservative movement is about? at the top of the polls there in Iowa? I, I think that they're terrified. And I think that, uh, you know, you saw Russell Moore yesterday, who was with, uh, with the Southern Baptists, uh, come out very strong against Jerry Falwell Jr. for, you know, talking about how Donald Trump is this amazing Christian who lives the first, the great commandment uh, that Jesus taught to love one another. And, um, you know, people who are really serious about this stuff are really, are really concerned. You know, I wrote a piece last week about how, or over the weekend about how, you know, it, it's, it Trump's even with his flip-flop on the right to life issue. It, it's not even clear that he's fully flipped. There are still lots of questions about, you know, what, what he would actually do on that issue, what kind of judges he would appoint, you know, if, if he's going to appoint someone, if he's going to appoint a Supreme court justice who shares his views on eminent domain, that means he's going to appoint a liberal activist because judges who, 
believe in, you know, big governments, uh, you know, crony capitalists, you limited domain seizing private property for commercial use. They're generally liberal all across the board. And so there are all these sorts of arguments that haven't been tried, you know, and, and people are starting to freak out. And there's some debate about, you know, well, should we attack him on the, he's a fake populist or that he's a fake conservative. And really what I've noticed is he hasn't been attacked on anything. And, and all of the above approach would probably make sense. But right now that there, there's really no, there's no stomach for it. You know, the Ted Cruz is finally turned on him after six months of calling him terrific. And the establishment is afraid of Cruz winning almost as much as Trump, which I think is foolish. I think that they should, that having Trump win would be, uh, much worse for the establishment in, in Iowa than, than the Cruz win. Uh, but yeah, but no one's really prosecuting an argument against them. No one's really making the case against him other than, you know, people in conservative media, some on Fox News. Um, but but Trump sets the media narrative. He has his rally covered live and unfiltered on all the cable news shows. And so what are people supposed to think? What, what reason is there to not vote for him? Right. I think it's, a lot of... It's fascinating to me that I, I have seen far more passionate opposition to Ted Cruz than to Donald Trump, which I just really don't understand. Ted Cruz, a pretty middle-of-the-road Tea Party conservative, and uh, listening to Terry Branstad, the governor of Iowa, talking about Ted Cruz like it was the you know the swarm of locusts heading towards the farmers' fields. Is that going to have an impact in Iowa? Are Iowa Republican voters uh, going to join the? You know, are, are are they comfortable with the you know kind of gimme state position of we don't really care about principles as long as we get the federal mandate cash? You know, I don't know what percentage really care about ethanol. I mean, I think that you know, I, I've I haven't drilled down on the numbers on there, and I would imagine if you care about it that much, you would have already Googled Ted Cruz's position on ethanol or something, or someone would have told you or sent you a mailer on it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Terry Branstad is a really popular governor, and the fact that he comes out against him, that's going to drive headlines here. And, and again, like I said, when people are a lot more undecided than you would suspect from you know the way it's, the, the story is covered, I think that, yeah, every, every little thing matters. And so, uh, you know, Branstad could, could push, you know, I don't know. I don't know how many people push away, but I think it could matter. But does the ethanol come up when you're out on the stump listening to people? Do they bring it up themselves? I've had, you know, again, I've, you know, anecdotally uh, talking to 50, 60 people, I've had, you know, yeah, a couple farmers brought that up unprompted. Um, a lot of people, the other issue a lot of people bring up is the whole idea, you know, campaign finance. Everybody's a bought and sold politician. And because Trump has, through, you know, having money given to him by his father and loaned to him and all sorts of bankruptcies, his massive, massive fortune. Uh, they like that. They like the idea that he's not a bought and sold politician. And while, you know, conservatives frequently laugh off, you know, all this, all these complaints about campaign finance right. and Citizens United, um, there really is sort of a, a populist revulsion at money and politics and the donor class and people following the money. So that leads us, leaves us then with uh, Donald Trump, Sarah Palin, the uh, Iowa farmers, the Iowa we hate money and politics people, and a significant number of evangelicals. It looks to me like Donald Trump's a shoe in. <laughs> this thing's done. You know, I mean, the line that Trump says at these Iowa rallies is, if we went to Iowa, I think we're going to run the table. And I don't know if I've, uh, you know, gone crazy, but I, I thought that was completely ridiculous a month ago. But now we're less than two weeks away from the Iowa caucuses. And if he, if he isn't wounded in Iowa, well, what brings him down to New Hampshire where he's ahead by double digits? 
what 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 brings him down in South Carolina where he's ahead by double digits? And if and if he goes ahead and wins the first three states, you know the idea that momentum will not apply to Donald Trump when momentum is always applied to in, in any race. Um, I think it's hard to believe. So yeah, he, unless unless he's beaten in Iowa, I could definitely see him winning the first three states, and then what happens from there, I don't know. But I think he's sitting really pretty. If on the other hand he loses Iowa, is wounded here, um, you know, dips a few points in New Hampshire, somebody else comes up surging, maybe even it's Cruz again, or 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 if Rubio comes in a strong second or third here in Iowa, maybe he, he's the one who surges, or even Kasich who's now showing signs of life. I think that's much worse for Trump. Um, you know, and once you get to Super Tuesday in the South, I mean, that's the real heart of Trump country. You know, there's an idea that Cruz, because he's in the South, is going to uh, clean up. I don't think that that's true, and especially not if if Trump wins the first three states. I, I think I think he's going to clean up in the South. So uh, that's where we stand. The last 20, polls in the last 24 hours: South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Trump up by 10 to 15 points in every state. Cruz is in second, and no one else is in double digits. So that's that's how it looks in the southeast. John McCormick, thanks for the view from Iowa as uh, Sarah Palin takes the stage with Donald Trump. I'm sure that the two of them together opened a hole in the space-time continuum somewhere. We just haven't found it yet, uh, but I appreciate your time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.